Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How good to be with you. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Uh, what else? Happy Feast today. This solemnity yesterday, actually, of the Holy Mother of God and the Feast of the, Circus, the, Feast of the Circumcision. And the third one, how can I not remember that offhand? Oh my God. Oh, the Holy Name of Jesus, which actually it wasn't yesterday. It's January 3rd. Just a beautiful month, January. I pray you all had a wonderful Christmas, and you know it's still Christmas, and many people celebrate Christmas through to, through to Epiphany, um, many to the baptism of John, and uh, traditionally, <clears throat> which we follow here at the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, uh, Christmas ends um, on the feast of the presentation of our Lord in the temple where Jesus was taken to the temple according to the law of Moses by Mary and Joseph, and there he was recognized by the aged Simeon, who was given a message by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he saw the Lord's Messiah. It's simply, absolutely a magnificent feast. I am getting over a, a really awful cold. It's much better today, much better. So if you hear a little stuffiness in me, um, it, it's, it's really, really the tail end of it. <clears throat> but I wanted to read you a story. You know, during Christmas, um, we pray here in the Priory uh, for all those who are alone, who are depressed, uh, so many uh, uh think of suicide, so many commit suicide during this time, so many feel unloved, and it's a, it's just an awful time of year. For me, when I grew up in my Jewish home, <clears throat> it was, I wasn't even sure for a few years in my 20s that God existed, and I went about my life very well, thank you. Um, ran two businesses in New York and had a great social life and all of that, except when I was alone. And I wasn't, I didn't feel lonely or alone, but when I wasn't involved in all the activity, um, in deep, deep in my heart, I didn't have a reason for existence. I, I have a Jewish background and <clears throat> I had no problem with that. But something didn't fill my heart. I didn't know anything about Christ then. But it was at every Christmas. The beauty in New York, the the store windows, now they're just uh, utterly, just heartbreaking. What is in store windows today? But when I grew up, it was the manger scene and beautiful Christmas music. And and I loved it all. I, I didn't like the manger scene. I didn't understand how any parent could allow their baby to worship a man. And now, you know, beloved, that baby is my Lord. He is the God of the universe who came to earth and became a child for us. Just so magnificent. Um, <clears throat> but I didn't believe it then. And the thing is that the 
that the beauty of the season, the music, the sense of sacrifice, of giving, gift-giving, the, uh, the, hot, the hot pretzel stamps and, and all of those things, um, it just um, cre- created in me such a longing for meaning and even a thought that there was meaning beyond this life, which I didn't know. Um, it was so painful for me just that time of year because of the beauty stirred in me the pain of a meaninglessness existence and purposelessness, even though I, my life was extremely busy and successful by the world's standards. So every year for nine years straight, I took myself to one of the islands, the West Indies, wherever I went, and I would come back after New Year's when the Rockefeller Center tree was down and the lights were off. And I could go on living without particularly having a reason to do so. I'll never, ever, 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 ever get over the fact that God has poured into me faith and life and love, the knowledge of my existence, the reason for it, and the knowledge uh, of and relationship with the God who created us for himself, the very Jewish God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who became man for us, died on the cross for us, rose on the de- from the dead for us, everything for us, for us, for us. He is the Jewish Messiah. He is God made flesh. <clears throat> and it's, uh, uh, don't, I, don't you wish you could really give that message and help people believe it all over the world. I came across a story uh, last year, and the title is, Where Love Is, God Is. Where Love Is, God Is. Um, and I'm going to read it to you. It's, it's uh, I don't know if it'll, I'll finish it before our first break or not, but it's a beautiful, beautiful story, and it begins this way. <clears throat> In a Russian city, there lived a shoemaker, Martin uh, Advyech, can't pronounce his name. This is a Russian story, and the names are Russian, so I'm just going to give you the first name. In a Russian city, there lived a shoemaker, Martin, whose home was in the basement, a little room with one window that looked out on the street. Through the window, he used to watch the people passing by, and though he could only see their feet, because the window was low and in the basement, Martin recognized people by their boots. He had lived for many years in one place, had half... um, had many acquaintances, and few pairs of boots in his district had not been in his hands at least once. Some he would half-sole, some he would patch, some he would stitch around, and occasionally he would also fit them with new uppers. Consequently, he often recognized his work through the window. I have a little picture here, a drawing of Martin the shoemaker. Martin had plenty to do, because he was a faithful workman, used good materials, did not charge exorbitantly, and kept his word. Excuse me. If it was possible for him to finish an order by a certain time, he would accept it. Otherwise, he would not deceive. He would tell the person so beforehand. Everyone knew Martin, and he was never out of work. Martin had always been a good man, but as he grew old, he began to think more about his soul and getting nearer to God. 
Martin's wife had died and left him a boy of three years old as, now let me see if I can pronounce this little boy's name, um, Kapitoshka grew older, he began to help his father <clears throat> and would have been a delight to Martin, but a sickness fell on him and he went to bed and died a week later. My goodness. Martin buried his son and fell into despair so deep that he began to complain to God and more than once he prayed to God for death. He reproached God because he had not taken him who was an old man, instead of his beloved only son. Once a little old man came from Troitska to see Martin. Martin talked with him and began to complain about his sorrows. I have no desire to live any longer, he said. I only wish I was dead. That is all I pray God for. I am a man with nothing to hope for now. The man, you don't talk right, Martin, said the little old man. We must not judge God's doings. You are in despair because you wish to live for your own happiness. But what shall one live for, Martin asked. We must live for God, Martin. He gives you life, and for his sake you must live. When you begin to live for him, you will not grieve over anything, and all will seem easy to you. Martin was silent for a moment and then said, but how can one live for God? And the the gentleman said, Christ has taught us how to live for God. The old man replied, you know how to read? Buy a testament and read it. There you will learn how to live for God. Everything is explained there. These words kindled a fire in Martin's heart. And that very same day, he bought a large print New Testament and began to read. At first, he intended to read the book only on holidays. But as he began to read, it so cheered his soul that he read it every day. At times, he would become so absorbed in reading that all the kerosene in the lamp would burn out, and still he could not tear himself away. The more he read, the clearer he understood what God wanted of him and how one should live for God, and his heart grew light. Formerly, when he lay down to sleep, he used to sigh and groan, and always thought of his Kapitoshka, his little son. And now his only exclamation was, Glory to thee, glory to thee, Lord, thy will be done. And from that time, his whole life was changed. In the morning, he would sit down to work, finish his allotted task, and then take the little lamp from the hook, put it on the table, and get his book from the shelf and sit down to read. The more he read, the more he understood, and the brighter and happier it grew in his heart. Once it happened that Martin read until late into the night. He was reading the verses in the sixth chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Quote, and unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. Give to every man that asketh of thee. And of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. End quote. <clears throat> 
Martin read further also those verses where Jesus says, quote, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings them, I do you to who is like he is man which built it and digged deep and laid the fountain on a rock. A rock arose, the steam the stream vehemently upon that house. I'm sorry, he laid the foundation on a rock, and when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built an house upon the earth, against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great." As Martin read these words, joy filled his soul. He put his spectacles down on the book, leaned his elbows on the table, and became lost in thought. He began to measure his life by these words and wondered, Is my house built on the rock or on sand? Tis well if on the rock. Help me, Lord. Thus ran his thoughts. He wanted to go to bed but he felt loath to tear himself away from the book. And so he began to read farther in the seventh chapter. He read about the centurion. He read about the widow's son. He read about the answer given to John's disciples. And finally, he came to that place where the rich Pharisee desired Jesus to sit at meat with him. And he read how the woman that was a sinner anointed his feet and washed them with her tears, and how he forgave her. Martin reached the 44th verse, and he began to read, And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Martin finished reading these verses and thought, Thou gavest me no mortar for my feet. Thou gavest me no kiss. My head with oil thou didst not anoint. Again, Martin put his spectacles down on the book, And again he became lost in thought. It seems that Pharisee, it seems that Pharisee must have been such a man as I am. Apparently I have thought only of myself, how I might have my tea, be warm and comfortable, but never to think of a guest. What about himself? But there was not the least care taken guest. And who was his guest? The Lord himself, he presumed, if he had come to me, I should have done the same way. Should I have done the same way if he came to me? Martin rested his head upon his arms and did not notice that he fell asleep. Martin, a voice sounded in his ears. Martin started up from his sleep. Who's there? He turned around and glanced toward the door. No one. Again, he fell into a doze. Suddenly, 
he plainly heard, Ah, Martin, look tomorrow on the street, I am coming. Martin awoke, rose from the rubbed his eyes, could not tell whether he heard those words in a dream or in reality. He turned down his lamp and went to bed. <clears throat> At daybreak the next morning, Martin rose, prayed to God, lighted the stove, put on the, um, oh dear, uh, sticky, I think, S-H- C-H-I. I don't know what that is. Maybe there's somebody who's Russian calling uh, after the break and let me know. Uh, Shtiki and the kasha put on the water and the samovar put on his apron and sat down by the window to work. While he was working, <clears throat> he kept thinking about all that happened the day before. It seemed to him that one moment that it was a dream and at the other Another moment, he had really heard a voice. Sitting by the window, he was looking out more than he was working. When anyone passed by in boots, which he did not know, he would bend down and look out in order to see not only the feet, but also the face. <clears throat> the Dvornik, again, D-V-O-R-N-I-K in Russian, the Dvornik passed by in new felt boots, the water carrier by, then to the window an old soldier in Nicholas' time, in an old lace felt boots, and holding a shovel. Martin recognized him by his felt boots. The man's name was Stepanuich. Oh, here we go, Stepanuich. And he was required to assist the Dvornik. Stepanuich began to shovel away the snow in front of Martin's window. Martin glanced at him and took up his work again. Pshaw, it must be, I must be getting crazy in my old age, he said, and laughed at himself. Stepanovich is clearing away the snow, and I imagine that Christ is coming to see me. I was entirely out of my mind, the old daughter, old daughter that I am. Martin sewed a dozen stitches, then felt impaired to look through the window again. He looked out, and he saw that Stepanovich had leaned his shovel against the wall and was warming himself and resting. He was an old, broken man. Evidently, he had not enough strength even to shovel the snow. I will give him some tea, Martin said to himself. <clears throat> Martin laid down his owl, rose from his seat, put the samovar on the table, and poured out the tea. He tapped on the glass, and Stepanovich came to the window. Martin beckoned to him and went to open the door. Come in, warm yourself a little, he said. You must be cold. May Christ reward you for this, said Stepanovich. My bones ache. Stepanovich entered and shook off the snow, but staggered while trying to wipe his feet so as not to soil the floor. Don't trouble to wipe your feet, said Martin. I will clean it up myself. I'm used to such things. Come in and sit down. Here, drink a cup of tea. Martin lifted two glasses and handed one to his guest while he poured his tea into a saucer and began to blow on it. Stepanovich finished drinking his glass of tea, turned the glass upside down, put the half-eaten lump of sugar on it, 
and began to express his thanks. But it was evident he wanted some more. Have some more, said Martin, filling both his own glass and his guests. Martin drank his tea, but from time to time glanced out into the street. Are you expecting anyone? his guest asked. Am I expecting anyone? I'm ashamed even to tell you. To tell whom I expect, I am and I am not expecting someone. But one word has kindled the fire in my heart. Whether it is a dream or something else, I do not know. Yesterday I was reading the gospel about Christ, how he suffered, how he walked on earth. I suppose you have heard about it. Indeed, I have, Stepanowich replied. Well, now, I was reading how he walked on the earth, how he came to the Pharisee, and the Pharisee did not treat him hospitably. So suppose, for example, he should come to me or anyone else. I said to myself, I should not even know how to receive him. While I was thus thinking, I fell asleep, and I heard someone call me by name. I got up. The voice, just as someone had whispered, said, Be on the watch, I shall come tomorrow. And this happened twice. Well, would you believe it? It got into my head. I scolded myself, yet I am expecting him. Stepanowicz shook his head and said nothing. He finished drinking his glass of tea and put it on the side. But Martin picked up the glass and filled it once more. Drink some more for your good health. You see, I have an idea that when Christ went about on this earth. He disdained no one and had more to do with the simple people. He always went to see the simple people. He picked out most of his disciples from among folk like such sinners as we are, from the working class. He said that whoever exalts him shall be humbled, and who is humbled shall become exalted. He said that you call me Lord, And I wash your feet. He said that whoever wishes to be the first, the same, shall be a servant to all. Because, he said, blessed are the poor, the humble, the kind, the generous. Stepanowicz forgot about his tea. Being an old man, he was easily moved to tears. And as he was listening, they rolled down his face, his tears, rolled down his face. Come now. Have some more tea, said Martin. But Stabanowicz made the sign of the cross, thanked him, turned down his glass and arose. Thanks to you, Martin, for treating me kindly and satisfying me, soul and body. You are welcome, said Martin. Come in again. Always glad to see a friend. Stepanowicz departed, and Martin poured out the rest of the tea, drank it, put away the dishes, and sat down again by the window to stitch on a patch. He kept stitching away while looking through the window. He was expecting Christ, and was all the while thinking of him and his deeds, and his head was filled with the different speeches of Christ. Two soldiers passed by. One wore boots furnished by the crown, and the other wore boots that Martin made. Then the master of the house next door passed by in shining galoshes, followed by a basket. Now a woman in woolen stockings and rustic uh, bashmak, B-A-S-H-M-A-K, bashmak, on her feet, 
passed by the window and stood near the window case. Martin saw she was a stranger, dressed in shabby summer clothes. Summer clothes, mind you, this was winter. And with a child, she was standing by the wall with her back to the wind, trying to wrap up the child, but she had nothing to wrap it in. From behind the frame, Martin could hear the child crying, but the woman was unable to pacify it. Martin went to the door, ascended the steps, and cried, My good woman, hey, my good woman. The woman turned around. Why are you standing in the cold with the child, Martin asked. Come into my room where it is warm, and you can manage it better. Here, this way. Astonished, the woman descended the steps and entered the room. There, sit down, my good woman, nearer to the stove where you can get warm and nurse the little one. I have no milk for him. I myself have not eaten anything since morning, said the woman. Martin spread a towel on the table upon which he put bread and a dash of cabbage soup along with a dish of shiki, S-H-C-H-I. Eat, my good woman, and I will mind the little one. Oh, beloved, I hate to stop this story, um, and I'm going to continue it right after the break, but also take your calls, your emails, and your text. Feel free to call it, dear ones, with anything on your heart, toll free, one 511 5483 email at mother at We'll be right back. Days from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern for Sermons for Everyday Living, a program that brings you real sermons from real priests on topics important to you and your faith. Visit thestationofthecross.com for details. Are you having a hard time keeping up with all that's going on these days in the Vatican? Did you know that LifeSite puts out a monthly print news magazine in beautiful full color? Our magazine, Faithful Insight, gives you all the most important coverage from Rome and lets you read it away from the computer, phone, or tablet. It summarizes dozens of new happenings down to the essentials, but provides full analysis on all the most important developments. Faithful Insight brings you the coverage of the Vatican that you know and expect from LifeSite in a different form. It has received high praise from cardinals, bishops, priests, and faithful who want to stay abreast of the most crucial battle in our time, the battle for the soul of the Church. Subscribe today at FaithfulInsight.com and may God bless you. Many people have misconceptions about the Catholic faith. 
By displaying a Catholic Radio bumper magnet on your car, drivers will be inspired to tune in and learn what the Catholic Church truly teaches and why. Request your free Catholic Radio bumper magnets today. Visit thestationofthecross.com and click the Promote tab at the top of our website. That's thestationofthecross.com. Then click the Promote tab. Thank you for supporting Catholic Radio and helping to spread the gospel message to everyone else on the road. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I tell you what, we are in the middle of a really beautiful story about Martin the shoemaker who um, really didn't have any faith and was miserable and cared about himself. And uh, he had a customer shop who said he did not live for himself and he could buy it and read it. and how to live for God and did that. He became fascinated with all the New Testament said. And one night he heard a voice, uh, and he didn't know if it was a dream or reality, and it said, Martin, I'm coming tomorrow, I'm coming to you. And so Martin's been waiting, he's not sure if it was a dream or it was real, but he's been waiting for Christ to come to him somehow. <clears throat> in the meantime, um, he took in a, a elderly man that was shoveling snow so he didn't freeze to death and gave him a warm drink, and right now... He noticed a woman uh, with holding a little baby, f- freezing cold in summer clothes in the midst of a snow, in the snow and cold, and brought them in and uh, gave her something to eat while he's taking care of the baby. We're right in the middle of the story. We could continue. I wish I could take a show of hands, but I can't through the radio and live stream. <clears throat> and we could continue tomorrow, but... I can hear some of you say, no, I want to know the end of the story now. So I'm going to continue it because not everybody will listen tomorrow. And some will listen tomorrow who didn't start today. So I'm just going to continue the story. We're past the halfway. Let me let me see how quickly we could get there. Um, and so Paul said to the woman, eat woman, I will mind one. The woman crossed herself and began to eat, while Martin sat on the bed near the infant. The little one kept crying, and in an attempt to silence him, Martin waved his finger in front of the child's mouth. The little one looked at his finger and became quiet. Martin withdrew it because his finger was black and soiled with wax. Then the infant began to smile, and Martin was glad. While the woman was eating, she told Martin about herself. I am a soldier's wife, she said. It is now seven months since they sent my husband away, and there have been no tidings. I worked as a cook when the baby was born, and no one cared to keep me. Um, I'm sorry, I worked as a cook. Then the baby was born, and no one cared to keep me with a child. This is the third month that I have been struggling along without a place. I used up all I had. 
I wanted work, but no one would take me. They said I'm too thin. I have just been to the merchant's wife, where a young woman I know lives, and so they promised to take us in. I thought that was the end of it, but she told me to come next week, and she lives a long way off. I got tired out, and it tired my darling child, too. Fortunately, our landlady takes pity on us for Christ's sake and gives us a room, else I don't know how I should manage to get along. Martin sighed, have you no warm clothes? And the woman said, yesterday I pawned my last shawl for a 20 kopeck piece. The woman looked, the woman took the child and Martin went to the partition, rummaged around and found an old coat. It's a poor thing, he said, uh, yet you may turn it into some use. The woman took the coat and burst into tears. May Christ bless you, little grandfather, the woman said. He must have sent me to your window. My little baby would have frozen to death. When I started out, it was warm, but now it has grown cold. And he and the um, Bayushka led you to look through the window and take pity on me, an unfortunate Martin smiled. Indeed, he did that. I have been looking through the window for some wise reason. Then Martin told the soldier's wife his dream and how he heard the voice and how the Lord promised to come and see him that day. All things are possible, said the woman. She rose, wrapped her little child in her coat, and as she started to take leave, she thanked Martin again. Take this, for Christ's sake, said Martin, giving her a 20 kopeck piece. Redeem your shawl. The woman made the sign of the cross. Martin did likewise and accompanied her to the door. Once the woman left, Martin ate some shki. I, I, it's S-H-C-H-I, shki. <clears throat> Washed the dishes and returned to his work. He still remembered the window. When the window grew darker. He looked out to see who was passing by. Acquaintances and strangers passed by, nothing out of the ordinary. Suddenly, an old woman selling apples stopped in front of his window. Only a few apples were left in her basket, as she had evidently nearly sold them all. Over her shoulder, she also had a bag full of wood chips that she had gathered as she was on her way home. The bag being heavy, she lowered it to the sidewalk, and she suddenly noticed a little boy in a torn cap snatch an apple from the basket. He was about to make his escape, but the old woman caught the youngster by his sleeve. He struggled to tear himself away, but the woman grasped him with both hands, knocked off his cap, and caught him by the hair. Martin threw his owl upon the floor sprang to the door and rushed out into the street. The old woman was threatening to take the screaming youngster to the policeman, and the boy was defending himself. I didn't, I didn't take it, he said. What are you beating me for? Let me go. Martin tried to separate them and said, let him go, Babushka. Forgive him for Christ's sake. I will forgive him so that he won't forget it till he, till the new broom grows. I am going to take the little villain to the police. Let him go, Babushka, Martin pleaded. He will never do it again. Let him go. For Christ's sake, the old woman let the boy go, and he started to run. But Martin kept him back. 
ask the babushka's forgiveness, he said, and don't you ever do it again. I saw you take the apple. The boy burst into tears and begged forgiveness. There now, that's right, and here's an apple for you. Martin took an apple from the basket. I'll pay for it, babushka, he said to the old woman and gave it to the boy. You ruined them that way, the, the good-for-nothing, said the woman. He ought to be treated so that he would remember it for a whole week. <clears throat> ah, Babushka, Babushka, said Martin. That is right according to our judgment, but not according to God's. If the boy is to be whipped for an apple, then what ought to be done to us for our sins? The old woman was silent, and she... She and the boy stood listening as Martin told the parable of the master who forgave a debtor all that he owed him and how the debtor went and began to choke the one who owed him. Oh, beloved, we're just about at the end, and I'll continue after the break. I don't want to apologize. This is such a wonderful story, beloved. Just stay there. Don't move. We'll come back. It's a beautiful ending. God bless you, and you can call in if you wish, toll-free, 1-877-511-5483, and we'll be right back. If you're new to iCatholic Radio, welcome to the free mobile app of the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. It's available for download on your Android and Apple mobile devices. If you have any questions about your new app, please contact us at thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. That's thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. Through your new app, you can listen to podcasts of shows, conference talks, and prayers. View our programming grid, call us directly, and check out our mobile website. You can even learn how you can promote iCatholic Radio in your community. Connect with us through social media and financially support the programming you love. That's all available on your iCatholic Radio mobile app. Thank you for joining our iCatholic Radio family, proclaiming the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, love in truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the Internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com.
Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment, and I am determined to finish this magnificent story to you. It's called Where Love Is, God Is. It's a beautiful story of a of an elderly, um, poor shoemaker who um, uh, was grouchy and, and uh, not pleased with anything, and he lost his wife, and he lost his son, and a uh, visitor to his shop, uh, urged him to read the New Testament, and and he read that, and um, his heart was inflamed, and uh, he uh, heard the voice of Christ saying, "I'm coming to you tomorrow." He thought that he didn't know if it was a dream, or was it an illusion, or what. But he kept looking out a window the next day, and he saw a man shoveling snow who was really weak. And so it couldn't handle it, so he invited him in for some warm tea. And then after that, he saw a woman in summer clothes in the freezing snow holding a little baby who was freezing, and he invited them in and fed them and warmed them and gave the woman a coat. And now um, <clears throat> there's an, another woman uh, uh, called Babushka, an elderly woman, Russian, um, who had a basket of apples that she was selling, and a little boy came and snatched one, and she said she was going to take the boy to the police, and Martin said, no, 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 don't take him. And Martin said, um, um, let's see, uh, God has commanded us to forgive, said Martin, else we too may not be forgiven. All should be forgiven, and the thoughtless should be forgiven especially. The old woman shook her head and sighed. That is so, but the trouble is that they are very much spoiled. Then we who are older must teach them, said Martin. That is just what I say, said the old woman. I myself have had seven of them. Only one daughter is left. The old woman then began to relate where and how she lived with her daughter and how many grandchildren she had. Here, she says, my strength is small, and yet I have to work. I pity the youngsters, my grandchildren, but what nice children they are. The old woman grew quite sentimental and pointed at the boy. Of course, he's a childish, it is a childish trick. God be with him. She was about to lift the bag on her shoulder when the boy said, Let me carry it, Babushka. It's on my way. The old woman asked. She nodded. Put the bag on the boy's back. Side by side, they walked off down the street. The old woman even forgot to ask Martin to pay for the apple. Martin stood gazing after them as they walked away. Returning to his room, Martin picked up his owl and sat down to work again. And after a little while, it grew darker so that he could not see to sew. And he saw the lamplighter passing by lighting the street lamps. It must be a time to make a light, he muttered. So he prepared his little lamp, hung it up, and returned to his work. He had one boot finished which he turned around and looked at, saying to himself, Well done. He put away his tools, swept off the cuttings, cleared off the bristles and ends, set the lamp on the table, and took the Gospels from the shelf. He tended to open the book, 
where he had yesterday put a piece of leather as a mark, but it happened to open at another place. At the moment Martin opened the testament, he recollected his last night's dream, and it seemed he could hear someone stepping behind him. Martin turned, and it was as though people were standing in the dark corner. He was at a loss to know who they were. A voice whispered in his ear, Martin, ah, Martin, did you not recognize me? Who? Martin asked. Me, it was I. And Stepanovich stepped out from the dark corner. He smiled, and like a little cloud faded away. And it was I, said the voice. And the woman with her child stepped out of the dark corner. She smiled. The child laughed, and they also vanished. And it was I, continued the voice, and both the old woman and the boy with the apple stepped forward. Both smiled and vanished. Martin's soul rejoiced. He crossed himself, put on his spectacles, and began to read where it had happened to open. On the upper part of the page he read, For I was and hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. And on the lower part of the page he read this, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. And Martin understood that his dream had not deceived him, that the Savior had called on him that day, and that he really had received him. The end. Isn't it a beautiful story, beloved? If you want it in print, it's probably online, but we also printed it in our newsletter last year, and if you'd like a copy, just let us know, um, and we'll put a copy in the mail to you. We are now, oh, we've got, oh, I don't know how long, 10 minutes or so left, so I'm now going to go to your calls and your emails, um, and... um, Okay. Uh, Nellie, are you on the line, Nellie? Yes. Good, Hi, sweetheart. Good, good joyous uh, 2020 mother, and happy Merry Christmas and adventure to you and all the dear sisters out there. Thank you, Nellie. I, uh, I kept this uh, show you're talking about. I did not really know what to expect. Mother, it is amazing. That show can be teaching in many, many ways. It is. It is, dear one. I didn't know it was a show, Nellie. I just read it as an article. I didn't realize they produced it. Yes, they made it into a cartoon. Oh, very very good. well done. Okay, sweetheart. Not only children should watch this, uh, the adults, because I was saying to your producers that when we we are children, we have the eyes and the heart and the innocence. Nellie, we should never stop being children. Our Lord said, unless you become as a little child, you cannot enter heaven. We need to be children from a year old to 130. We're children, always. Everyone should watch this, sweetheart. You are like one of these. You shall not enter my kingdom. And uh, the beauty of that show, 
Actually, it is amazing. I was one of these people. Sometimes I would, for me, my fascination, my love to see Christ. If he is to beckon me home today, I would gladly, gladly, you, you know, for me, if we had a choice, it would be a choice. I would always ask him to see him any day. I'm very well, he may he may want to visit you, dear Nellie, before he takes you home. So be be alert. Be alert to anyone in need, because Christ may be visiting you first. God bless you, dear one, and Happy New Year to you, too. We have an email from Wilbur. Wilbur says, I'm a good person who does good things, but I'm not a Catholic. I'm somewhere between pagan and atheist. Am I going to hell despite doing good? My goodness, Wilbur, that's a kind of a good question, that that happened to fall uh, right after that beautiful story I just read. Um, nobody goes to heaven by doing good, Wilbur. Uh, if it, it's only faith in the Savior and His Church that brings us to heaven. Now you say you, you're somewhere between a pagan and an atheist, but um, <clears throat> I would ask you if we were on the line together or in person, how do you know you're a good person who does good things? Because what would be your barometer? Are you your own judge? If you're your own judge, um, you could approve yourself even if you were a murderer, or you could save many lives and think you were a bad person. It, it's an interesting thing that you that you count yourself as a good person, who does good things and say that you are between a pagan and an atheist. I don't know what your barometer is of judging that. And I don't know the the motive for your question, dear Wilbur. Um, nobody goes to heaven by doing good. We are saved by faith through works. It's faith and works, not faith alone. We are saved by faith. The Apostle Paul wrote to the um, Ephesians chapter 2, we're saved by faith. Um, uh, through faith by grace, it is the work of God, not of uh, a gift of God, not of our works, lest any of us should boast, but we are saved unto good works, he says. Um, and so uh, he writes again to the Galatians, it is faith working in love. We're not saved by our works, Wilbur, but we're certainly not saved without them. If our faith is true, then it will work itself out uh, in good works. Uh, but good works without faith in Christ uh, cannot get you to heaven because there's no one. You may think you're a good person, um, but I will tell you now that I am not a good person. I am a sinner, and I have a Savior. Christ came to die for every single one because he says there is no one without sin. Absolutely no one without sin. And dear one, if you don't understand that you're a sinner then your heart is hardened, and then you don't know that you need a Savior. And without a Savior, someone who died for your sins to give you life, there is no way to heaven. So, Wilbur, I don't know if your question is a sincere one or not, but I would um, I would do what the gentleman told Martin to do, and that is go get a New Testament and read it, and then you'll have the answer to your question. <clears throat> We have an email from Mark who says, Hello, Mother. Can we pray that God remove this Pope and give us a truly Catholic and believing Pope? His peace, Mark. Well, Mark, you can pray anything you wish. 
um, what you want to pray for always is God's will, because we don't have the wisdom to know what God is doing. God is in charge. Jesus is building his church. And we can think many things, but we don't have all knowledge. We don't have the wisdom. And so what we want to pray for is the salvation of every single soul, including the Pope, even if he were um, Pius Twelfth or John Paul or Benedict, whoever he was, we always want to pray for everyone's salvation, for their growth in faith. So you can certainly pray for salvation of everyone, for the conversion of everyone, for our bishops, for our priests, everyone. Um, but the main thing I think that's happening, Mark, during this very difficult, confusing, and stress-filled time in the church is that Catholics are beginning to know that they need to know their faith, that we need to know our faith, and we need to live our faith. And no one else is responsible for that. If we know and live our faith and we honor God, that's what he asks of us. And we need to pray for the rulers over us. That's what the Apostle Paul asked us to do in 2 Timothy. So pray, um, but let God handle the specifics. We have an email from someone who writes it anonymously and says, Mother Miriam, I live in California. I've been listening to your radio station since you were at Immaculate Heart Radio. I love your show. Thank you so much for your words of wisdom. Well, thank you. I have a 17-year-old son. I'm a single parent. I never married his father. He is my youngest. I also have two older daughters. My oldest daughter does not live with us. He sees his father regularly. Now, I'm, I'm guessing you're talking about your 17-year-old son. He sees his father regularly. <clears throat> I try my best to live my vocation as a mother. I taught my children the Catholic faith. We attend church every Sunday. We pray the rosary regularly. We go to monthly confession. My son is an altar servant at our parish. Now, your son is the 17-year-old, I'm guessing, because you said you have two daughters in addition. So your son is an altar server. My son and I had an argument three days ago, which resulted in my taking away his phone. He became angry and said he wanted to spend some time with his father. He called his father and he picked him up. I asked him when he would return and he said in three days. When I called my son and told him I would be picking him up, he said he would not come home if I did not return his cell phone. I became angry and said no. His father does not want to bring him home because my son wants to stay at his house. Mother, what can I do? Um, it, we have 30 seconds to the closing music at the moment. This is a very complicated story, and I cannot begin to advise you without a lot more information. From what you've told me, I would let it go and tell your son that uh, he will not have his phone back uh, until he comes home and apologizes to you for the choices he's made, for the disrespect, and promises to obey you um, and not repeat this behavior. He needs to come back asking your forgiveness. And if he says, well, I'll ask your forgiveness if you give me the phone, absolutely not. You are not to give him that phone. He needs to um, have a mother who will lead him in the way of God um, and, and teach him respect. 
I'm sorry we have no more time this morning, dear ones, but we will speak with you tomorrow. God bless you.